Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. B. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified interns, founder of drbarrypierre.com, as well as the CEO of PR Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself with better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we bring you Dr. Stephen Noble, who's a cardiothoracic surgeon, who's a United States veteran of the Navy, and currently practices in uh, Olympia, Washington. Lunch and Learn community, you know, I like to, you know, bring some established and esteemed guests on here. Dr. Noble has had various leadership opportunities and positions, including in several organizations, including Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, the American College of Surgeons, National Medical Association. He's been uh, published frequently. And his most important, and I think the most important thing, especially for today's episode we're going to, you're going to learn and hear about is his passion for mentorship, youth advocacy, entrepreneurship, health education, civil rights, and most importantly, social action. And we're going to stress a lot during this interview about the action portion uh, of it, right? Because again, I think a lot of times we talk about, especially as a physician, we talk about a lot of the healthcare disparities, but we don't talk about the actions to try to correct those. And Dr. Noble um, is doing an amazing job working with organizations on the ground to make sure that the actions are in uh play to make sure that we're actually doing something for these healthcare disparities. So like always, remember, you know, send this out to five, 10 of your friends uh, to listen to today's episode. Uh, if you have not had a chance to subscribe to the podcast, go ahead, leave us a five-star review, especially for my Apple podcast listeners, and uh, join us for another amazing conversation here on the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. Today, we have you, Dr. Noble. This podcast is sponsored by the Lunch and Learn Community Merchandise Store, living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. At the store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, coffee mugs, even wristbands, and more. For a limited time, you can get 10% off your next purchase using the coupon code EMPOWER10. That's EMPOWER10, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-10. Just go to shop.drbarrypr.com to pick up your purchase and get 10% off today. And remember, 50% of your purchases will be donated to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, a nonprofit organization for high school students. All right, Lunch Learn community, you just heard another amazing introduction uh, from a gentleman that actually had a nice opportunity to really jump on a, I think it was a collaborative uh, live event with a you know a colleague of ours, Dr. Don, uh, really talking about, you know, Black health, COVID-19, and this pandemic that is, uh, you know, I, f- I think we recorded it a few months ago, but it's still here, still strong. It's probably going to uh, see us in 2021 as well, too. So again, Dr. Noble, thank you for joining uh, the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be on here. Uh, great to, uh, you know, support. And uh, yeah, that was uh, amazing to think that, yeah, we did that, you know, back in April, and we're still, you know, hot and heavy with it even now. And so, uh yeah, I think it's going to be with us for quite some time. And it's so it's so crazy because I think we did ours like right when we thought um, it was in the the peak of things, right? Like yeah. I, I think <laughs> I think we I think we we're like, well, you know, it's getting it's getting like now it's like the fanfare. Now it's the thing to talk about. Let's talk about it. And yeah. then, uh, lo and behold, a few months later, uh, we still got to talk about it because it's right. just um, you know just alive and well here to stay. So. Um, you know, I have a lot of people who tend to skip over our introduction and, uh, you know, right, try to get right to the main episode. So uh, in case they missed your like amazing bio, which uh, is pretty expansive, right? Um, you know, give give the listeners an idea of like kind of, you know, who you are, you know, what you do on a day to day basis and, you know, what, um, you know, they may have missed if they happen to like zoom by on that bio. Yeah, so um, just a you know kid that grew up in uh, the Pacific Northwest in Portland, Oregon. Um, you know, my grandparents moved out there from the South uh, to the Pacific Northwest uh, during the Second Great Migration, and so uh, you know, grew up in Portland. Then uh, was fortunate to go to. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor, so I, I, uh, go, I went to HBCU Xavier University, in New Orleans, Louisiana, so represent XU hard. And so uh, I knew I wanted to be a doctor, so that kind of set me on the path to go to an HBCU. And then from there, uh, went to uh, med school at Indiana University residency uh, at, back here in Portland at OHSU. And then uh, uh, went into the Navy. 
served some time in the Navy, ship uh, and heart surgery training uh, at the Ohio State. And so um, uh, went back into the Navy, uh, deployed to Afghanistan for about six months. That was cool. And then um, uh, got out and uh, have been in civilian practice, community practice for the past three years. And so just living the dream. And uh, now I currently live in, uh, back in the back home of sorts uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, uh, doing heart and lung surgery, robotic surgery. And so, uh, um, you know, just really passionate about, uh, about, you know, what I do on a day-to-day basis with my family and, and uh, helping other kids get into med school, kind of follow the path that, you know, it took, you know, for me to get here. Because we all just, you know, need some help along the way. And it was important for me to kind of, there were so many people that helped me get to where I am at today that uh, it's only right that I do the same and try to help other, other folks do the same. And one thing I like, especially when I get when I get my other docs on uh, the podcast is, you know, I love to hear their journey uh, because I think a lot of us and I'm pretty sure you've seen those memes where we tend to see like this end product. Right. We see this like established cardiothoracic surgeon. Right. And uh, no one never sees like the bumps and the obstacles and the trips and the falls that got you to that point where you're like the person you are today. So I love kind of hearing like, uh, like that back end story that kind of led you there, especially for those, my physicians who go like uh, into the military. Cause I always want to know, like, is it like, cause I, I have friends or family in the, the military well. So I wasn't sure if that was something that like it was in your, your set and sights as far as like, yeah, you know, I think military life as well as being physician, something I like, or is that something that kind of got, you know, you kind of got tuned into during, you know, maybe pre-med or medical school time. Uh, it was one of those things that, um, you know, I really got inspired by uh, uh, the movie Top Gun. <laughs> uh, and so when I saw <laughs> Top Gun, I was like, man, that's pretty cool. You know, flying jets, things of that nature. And so uh, so the Navy was always something my, my grandparents were in the Merchant Marines. And so they're always talking about ships. So the military was kind of in the back of my mind, but medicine was always something that I wanted to do. So in med school, uh, you know, med school is expensive. And so at that time, I had a mentor, a family practice physician who was really great, really took me underneath his wings, kind of tried to teach me about the business of medicine. And, you know, he was telling me about, you know, your student loans. And so with that, I had a friend that was uh, thinking about uh, uh, taking the HPSP scholarship. And so I talked to the recruiter, uh, Navy recruiter. And, and to me, uh, I like the idea of you know, the location of not being, you know, in the Midwest or anything like that. Uh, I thought we were always going to be around a big body of water. And then the other opportunity of just being able to uh, serve, you know, serve in the military, have, you know, some of my student loan paid off uh, or, or student debt paid. So I joined the military and it was a, it was a great opportunity. One of the, the highlights of my career was definitely uh, deploying to Afghanistan, working with the team that I worked with out there, uh, definitely the highlight of my career. So, um, but yeah, the military was definitely um, something that, uh, in and of itself is a, a totally separate sort of topic as to the choices and decisions to do that. But um, it definitely, uh, for me, was, uh, was a benefit and help. I, I enjoyed it. And I love to hear that because I think a lot of times, especially when I'm talking to my, my pre-meds who, you know, when, when I even approach this, because finances is always a, a big thing, like, oh, about student loans, student loans. Oh, yeah. and, then they, and, then, and then when you even mention the military aspect, they say, well, I don't want to then have to, you know, delve another, you know, four plus years on top of this long, you know, because, you know, especially when you're young, you think being 30, like it's a long time. So they, they <laughs> so, you know, they, they, they're like, I don't want to, like, I'm gonna be like 30, 30 plus by the time I get to do something. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I love hearing that, like, yes, there is some very tangible, positive benefits, like even going that route. And, and are you still in the military now? No, no, I got out. And so it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, that was kind of the mindset that I had going into it was being trying to be as strategic as possible. So um, I'm all about, you know, having a plan or just trying to create a plan as much as possible. So for me, I, I kind of got into it knowing that when I was 40, I was going to be getting out and trying to figure out what the, you know, what the future or what the, you know, the prospect uh, was going to look like at that time. So I always kind of had an idea of, you know, as I got further and further to, to joining and then as I started to get out, you know, what the career path was going was, was kind of going to look like or what I kind of wanted to do with that path. So uh, it was, you definitely have to go into the military trying to think about your exit strategy because they have a plan for you, you know, and, and best believe in medicine, you know, other people already have a plan for you. So you need to have a plan for yourself such that uh, you can see how the two kind of interact and in, in, uh, line. So you can make the decisions of, do I continue with the military path? Because retiring from the military, can, for some, can be a great thing. But 
for others, especially in the surgical subspecialties, uh, you got to really take that decision uh, to heart uh, very hard. I love that you, you pointed out that you kind of have to have a plan for yourself um, because even those who don't go into the military route, I think when, when they set their sights, right, in medicine, right, when they set their sights, like I want to do blank, I want to do this for, you know, whatever the rest of my life. Um, a lot of times when you ask, all right, so when you get there, what do you want to do with it? Like, it's like this blank stare, right? And I, I, I'm a program director, so I have residents who, you know, are about, you know, two, three years out of going into the quote unquote attending life. Right. And then I ask him, OK, all right, so when you know, when you graduate, like then what's next? Right. Because you're already going to be an internist. But like what after that? Right. And again, unfortunately, I get a lot of blank stares because uh, they um, a lot of us haven't really thought that far. Right. We thought like I just need to, you know, I got to do what I got to do in undergrad to get to medical school. I got to do what I got to do in medical school to get to the residency spot of my dreams. And then when they get to the residency spot of their dreams and then they're done, they're like, oh, OK. Um, well, well then, like it's this this is blank, you know, life because again, you know, we talked about the time. Life is happening while you're doing all of these things, right? And now you don't have that excuse of, oh, well, you know, I'm you know, I'm a busy resident or I'm a busy medical student or I'm busy like like no, now you got the time. Like what are you gonna do with it? So I love the fact that, you know, you had that thought process like, oh, I need to start thinking about it like like right now, what I'm gonna be doing in five, seven, ten years, because like it happens, you know, much quicker than we expected. Yeah, and I'm just, uh, you know, I learned early on about myself is that, you know, I get very anxious when I don't have a plan. So it just makes me very, you know, very unsteady in the world as to, you know, what's the next step. And I need to be thinking about, um, you know, because I know I work best when I'm, you know, when I'm focused and directed and, you know, and kind of know uh, what's going on. And even now, I mean, um, you know, it's crazy, you know, with, uh, you know, the passing and chat with Bozeman, you know, at like uh, 43, it is just like, you know, you, you, it really brings home the, uh, the, the question of what the, you know, what your why is and what the plan is. And, you know, are on a day-to-day basis, am I working for an institution that, you know, appreciates me? Am I doing the things that I need to be doing for my family, for myself? Does it, you know, am I having the purpose that, um, that I really want and or the impact that I really think I, you know, I need to have, uh, kind of make it worth it. And, um, you know, for me, making sure I have a plan and really being thoughtful about that kind of helps with that as far as, you know, who do I need to speak to? Who do I need to kind of surround myself? You know, what sort of avenues uh, do I need to take? Um, Training, things of that nature, all that kind of goes into, you know, for me, it all falls back to just having that plan and having that direction. You know, it's what's interesting, especially with uh, the passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. Um, it it's definitely you know it's it's tough, right? Because here you have such a young man, a brilliant man, you know, you know, phenomenal person just in general, right? That you know, it's taken away at such a, a an early age, right, by a, a disease that you know, you know, especially both of our um, you know specialties are gonna like have to face one way or the other, right? And and understanding that there's really like not much you can do, right? Like, isn't, and that's probably like the toughest like aspect, right? Like, cause I, when I first heard the news, right? Like I was like, damn, that like, that sucks. And then like, I slept on it and I was like, wow, this is really like, this really, like, this is really bad. <laughs> right. And yeah. especially when, when you start putting all of the different factors yeah. together and, and the age and the disease process and all of these things. And then you're starting to think about, you know, like, okay, then, so, of course, you, you know, we're, we're both on social media, so we're seeing, like, well, how come no one checked them earlier? And, and yeah, like, we yeah. typi- well, like, this isn't a disease we typically check for at that age, and, like, and just more, especially in the medical field, much more questions uh, than answers that we have, especially because as private as it was, you know, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, multiple directors and friends and family who did not even know, like, imagine being so private that they didn't even really know the extent of, of his, his disease course. So it's, it's always so tough, right? Especially when we have this plan, right? And something like this or something in that nature kind of happens, right? And we kind of touched on it earlier. Um, you know, we had our kind of our live uh, discussion with Dr. Don about, you know, the, the pandemic, right? Like, like, tell me what was your thought process, right? In the beginning, right? Of uh, 2020, right? Like your goals, your aspirations. And then unfortunately, what like what has transpired since, right? Because everyone I asked, like uh, the end of 2020 definitely didn't look like this uh, in terms of what they were thinking, their goals, their plans, their aspirations and all the things that, you know, they thought they were going to do in 2020 that uh, is not going to happen. 
So uh, at the beginning of 2020, uh, you know, it was really thinking about, uh, you know, I had some goals as far as uh, I want to uh, uh, write a book. Um, I, I had just um, got involved with a, a startup company. Um, and so uh, working with them, I uh, wanted to kind of have more of an active role in doing that. And then um, uh, there was a uh, working with a, a documentary, Black Men in White Coats, um, uh, working with that sort of team. Uh, kind of came up and and so uh, and potentially looking to uh, change positions, uh, you know, go from my current where I was currently in Modesto, California, to try to go back to the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so uh, was had a just seemed to be a a time in my life in which there was a lot of things going on, and and so uh, it was just it was all pretty surreal. So then uh, fast forward to uh, uh, January, February, uh, I was in. Um, New Orleans for a conference uh, for the Society of Thoracic Surgeons. Now I'm in a conference, and um, the uh, the conference uh, was about something in like uh, thoracic surgery. And then uh, I get the text from my cousin that Kobe Bryant had died, and it was just like, dang. And so it just seemed like <laughs> I remember the beginning of the, the the New Year. I think my son and I had flew out to Baltimore. Um, for uh, to meet with this uh, to meet with the team from uh, from the startup and you know he and I we, we were working on um, he um, we homeschool him so we are you know he's kind of doing this alternative sort of uh, educational process in which you know it was an opportunity for um, you know for me to show him what uh, kind of like Shark Tank is for startups ah, for uh, okay. uh, uh, and, and all these startups were conscious ventures. So uh, a lot of, you know, young black men and women and, and women really uh, going in front of a, a venture capital board that is looking at these people that have their, their, their startup ventures and trying to pitch the idea. So I thought it would be a great idea for my, uh, my uh, high school son. Uh, he's, a, he's a sophomore in high school to take him out there uh, and kind of see it. And we had a great time in Baltimore, met with the, uh, the startup team and, and just had a real good time. And for them to see his kind of take on some of these startup ventures was a great opportunity for him. So, you know, the year started off kind of doing, you know, trips like that. And then, I, you know, we heard about Kobe Bryant and that just, you know, it just seemed like 2020 went left uh, <laughs> pretty quickly very, after very, COVID-19. Very it was just, man. Um, but through it all, um, you know, things, you know, in one aspect of my day-to-day -day sort of career uh, just seemed to be up in the air as far as COVID-19 was shutting down some of the practice I was going to ask, especially as a surgeon. Uh, that was, yeah, was... So, so, so for heart surgery, we were doing more. For heart surgery, it seemed to pick up because we were doing just really the urgent cases. But for thoracic surgery, for lung surgery, I started canceling cases. And, you know, this was back in before we really heard about it. We had the first case out in, uh, out in uh, the Bay Area and, or in Sacramento and whatnot. And so I had started looking at that sort of process and hearing how, you know, that patient came to the hospital several times and always got turned away because it didn't fit the criteria. We just really didn't know a lot about the disease process. And I was very concerned with the reports that we were hearing from abroad that patients were having that 10 to 20% decrease in lung function. So I was very concerned about doing thoracic surgery on these on, on lung cancer patients in which we're going to take out a part of your lung regardless. So now you're going to, you know, potentially get COVID. We really didn't know about how to, you know, how you could or couldn't get it. And so I, yeah, you know, some practices start uh, start to uh, uh, decrease as far as uh, volume, and then um, I end up changing positions, and so it was just really um, topsy turvy for a little bit. But uh, as far as doing the sur uh, surgeries uh, in some aspects, um, founded uh, uh, started practicing here in uh, Olympia, Washington, and things have been going uh, going pretty well. But um, you know, with the startup, COVID nineteen kind of demonstrates that. For, for, for black people, we really need to, um, you know, we need to address some of these uh, social determinants of health and healthcare disparities that, you know, us black physicians in the community know about, but, you know, putting the weight and the money and the, and the resources behind it sometimes um, seems, to be, seems to be difficult and really doesn't uh, uh, seem to help. And with the rates that we've had with, and the devastation that COVID-19 has had with us, um, it really underscores, you know, the, the need for uh, prevention screening and having um, Black people uh, engage with the healthcare uh, industry uh, uh, in a more effective uh, and trusting manner. Mm. 
And, and what's interesting, let, let's talk about um, Live Chair Health, right? And this, you know, I was an organization that I, you know, I, I want to definitely make sure our listeners are familiar with, because you said a point that was, you know, I think is, I've been, if you're, if you're an old lunch learner, you've heard this before. Um, majority of, uh, I'll, say, I'll just say, I won't say all, because it's, it's some of it I know. Uh, majority of us, especially as a black physician, are not shocked, right? that COVID-19 affected our community much more, right? Why? Because if you would have asked me, oh, what about diabetes? I'd have said our community is affected more. Oh, what about heart disease? Our community. Like, so it's not shocked that another disease process would affect us more because everything, right, affects us more, right? And and we've talked, you know, at length at some of the, you know, the systemic reasons why that, that occurs. And I think the point you brought up was, yes, it's okay that we know about it, right? But like, putting that action, right, into trying to change and improve it is where I think, you know, we, we still need work on, right? So I definitely want to hear about live chair health and, you know, and especially because you kind of mentioned in past kind of the startup company and, you know, the, the goals and the plans. Like I said, it's definitely an exciting company I'm, I'm excited to learn about more. So uh, great. Yeah. So for uh, live chair health, um, you know, me personally, um, my wife's a hairstylist. And so uh, coming up, I've always had this, you know, medicine, um, uh, you know, coming up, we always had this idea of, you know, hair care and health care together. Um, you know, my wife has a stylist. She has clients that will sit up here and tell her everything. But if those same things, they may not tell their physician, you know what I'm saying? Or my wife is giving mm-hmm. practically uh, health care <laughs> advice to her clients. And, and I'm like, the medicine behind what you're telling that person isn't necessarily there. It sounds right. It sounds good. But that's not necessarily you know, not necessarily it. So I always had this idea of healthcare and hair care together. So lo and behold, I came across a young man by the name of uh, Andrew Suggs, who, um, if I could summarize Andrew Suggs and the whole mission of life hair, is taking pain into purpose or making pain into purpose. And so uh, Andrew Suggs uh, is a gentleman, he's a young black man uh, who uh, founded um, and is the CEO of Life Chair Health, uh, who initially, um, it, it was um, really about uh, uh, helping barbershops. Uh, he kind of came up as a, a young man that, you know, really didn't have his father in his life. Uh, his father was uh, kind of in and out of prison and really didn't have his father in his life. And so he looked at the barbershop as kind of like the, the black man's country club and, and really held the barbers in high esteem. And to that point, uh, he became an entrepreneur and started a, a scheduling and booking app for, for uh, barbers. Uh, Recently, is uh you know he reconnected with his father, and um uh, he and his father started developing a, a good relationship. But unfortunately, his father uh, had a very advanced uh, congestive heart failure, and it was it was believed that had uh, he been able to kind of know about the you know prevention and screening and, and managing his his healthcare, uh, his father wouldn't have passed away at an early age. And unfortunately, uh, Andrew's father uh, passed away uh, last month. And this is a story that Andrew has told several times. He's been featured. Uh, uh, by the American Heart Association for Live Share, and so uh, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to come into the uh, to come to know Andrew, um, and 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 really kind of just uh, add my support um, with Live Share and serve as one of the advisors and lead medical advisor for for Live Share Health. So Live Share Health is really um, uh, has a mission of of really taking uh, Andrew's pain and purpose and trying to extend it to the Black community uh, as a whole to really try to uh, take the um the barbershops the barbers that trust the relationship that we have with our our barbers our hairstylists and see if uh, uh about delivering health care or, or providing health care to our community in a way in which we trust in a way in which we feel comfortable as you you know as we've kind of talked about before um, when patients come to see us you know in, uh, in the clinic sometimes their blood pressure could be you know 20 to 30 points higher than what it normally is because the stress of, you know, coming to see me, I got my white coat on, um, I'm, I'm going to about to tell them, you know, I'm going to have to cut your chest open or you have lung cancer. And so <laughs> that sort of white coat phenomenon can exist. And based upon, you know, that, you know, visit, you know, we'll put you on a hydrochlorothiazide, ACE inhibitor, and we'll start, you know, uh, ramping up your medication. But during that time, you may not be having uh, contact uh, with the healthcare industry or with healthcare professionals and or measuring your own blood pressure, things of that nature, enough to really give the physician good data. But what we kind of do know in the black community is that, you know, uh, if we're going to the barbershop, if we're going to the hair salon, sometimes we're going to, the, you know, that barber every two weeks, once a month, we're definitely having more contact 
with that hair care professional. Now, if we can sit up here and, and you know, get your blood pressure checked, get your, you know, a, uh, hemoglobin A1C checked, get some of these other things checked, maybe we can start to see uh, uh, some downtrends and preventable uh, health diseases in our community to the point of, you know, when COVID-19 hit, um, you know, live cheer was, you know, uh, was, was affected. But as we started to have these conversations on platforms like this with Dr. Don and, you know, uh, things of this nature, you know, it really, you know, we really kind of discussed, you know, COVID-19 is really unleashing the fact of, you know, how bad, you know, things are in the Black community. With that sort of knowledge and conversation, it, you know, it really presented the opportunity for, for LiveShare to kind of double down on that. And so to that point, LiveShare started offering, uh, first and foremost, um, uh, workshops, financial workshops for barbers, uh, because barbers weren't getting the triple P. As much as all these other companies were getting the bailout mm -hmm. from, you know, from oh, the yeah. government and things of that nature, the barbershops and the hair salons weren't getting that bailout. They needed uh, uh, some guidance through how do you navigate those waters. And, you know, it may not be widely known uh, to the audience, but, uh, you know, the barbershops and the hair salons are like the financial backbones of our communities. I mean, when, you know, when uh, slavery had ended, I mean, one of the first businesses that we could have and that we could own, that we can control the market was the barbershop. So the barbershop has really served as that financial institution in which we could, you know, practice and or, or be the way that we wanted it to be. And so unfortunately, the barbershops and the hair salons didn't really have some support. So LiveShare Health uh, supported some programs and workshops to be able to uh, instruct the barbers on how to kind of navigate the SBA, the, the loans and things of that nature. And then it started uh, uh, offering COVID-19 screenings and helping the barbershops how to reopen safely, um, providing, providing you know, thermometers. Uh, and, and now um, rolling out a pilot in which what we're doing is we're collecting, um, uh, we're working with three barbershops. Uh, out in the uh, Baltimore area and, and really getting some great initial data on identifying those individuals that don't have a doctor and then plugging those individuals to see a doctor. And now these conversations are happening at the barbershop and being able to integrate some of the technology, uh, technology that we have with apps and things of that nature to, to physicians, to practices and, and, and what have you so that we can affect change in, in, in a positive way. And, um, you know, with all these other sort of preventable uh, diseases and topics, um, you know, stroke, um, heart attack, cancer, um, it really uh, allows us to kind of have that conversation. Uh, what Andrew likes to talk about, those crucial conversations that we need to have um, in the barbershop. Uh, some of the medications that I may put you on for heart disease may affect, you know, your, your, you know, your sexual function. And that conversation you may not have with your, your doctor, but you'll have it with your barber. <laughs> you know, you may have it in that safe, you know, confines. And so it's important to have those conversations that sometimes, you know, you know, that sometimes you'll have people ask you, hey, doc, you know, can I get your advice? And if it's something that's really not in your field, but they feel comfortable with you, you know, you're one of them. And it's, and it's, and, and for some of us that, that affects our health care. I mean, for a lot of us, that affects our health care. If we can't have that comfortable dialogue of our doctor, you know, kind of understanding what we're going through, um, uh, that, that's, that's important. And I, and I can tell you, especially, especially with, you know, the pandemic, you know, you know, hitting as hard as it is, I can tell you one of the most sought after appointments once stuff started opening up definitely was not the doctor, right? It was definitely, <laughs> all right, I need, I haven't had a cut in three yep. months. I haven't like, so like, you, I, I think you underscore really the importance of that relationship that, you know, people have, you know, with their, their hair care provider, right? Cause that's, again, I'm the medical provider, right? But like, People tie so much into their hair, their hair care provider, right? Um, their self esteem, right? Their 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 um, you know their the machismo, everything associated yeah. with it, right? Their their swag and, and for the yeah. women, right? Like just the beauty and everything else that kind of just drips out once they leave. Yeah. Right, that area, and it's so. It's fortunately, sometimes it's not a feeling that can be duplicated when they come to no. see me for a blood pressure check, right, or a short. Like it's not no. that feeling just isn't there. Um, so I and I think it's you know like imagine now, right, you know, take COVID nineteen away, right. Um, you guys would probably have to be in the shop saying like, all right, guys, this is when we typically would check for colon cancer, right? Because this is a topic yeah. Yeah. that people are gonna people are asking. Yeah. I'm again, I'm seeing the questions, and I'm like, I understand, like, and I wish there was like a centralized place. Uh, you know, for us, for you to go and, and get the information that you need, because 
you're right. There's so many different, you know, routes that you can get this information. But if you're in that trusted environment, right, that is your shop, right? And you know, like, hey, when, when I come here, I come to kick it, I come to get loose, I come to, you know, get myself better, right? Oh, and I get educated at the same time. Like, I, I can't even lose uh, on that. Yeah. So I can only imagine. You hit the nail on the head. And, you know, this is a shameless plug for, you know, for life, your health is that um, to that point, um, we have a brain trust, a collection of, of black physicians or physicians in general that get together to kind of help, um, you know, kind of, you know, uh, uh, work on some of the, the healthcare operations. And so we, we present that from the standpoint of you're right there. It is important for uh, for people to, to feel as if there's a trusted you know, community or, or team out there, you know, on their behalf. And unfortunately, you know, we've seen recently that, you know, some of those trusted institutions seem to be compromised by certain you know, pressures from, you know, from outside and not necessarily making medical, uh, you know, sound, you know, evidence-based sound uh, healthcare decisions uh, altruistically or with the benefit of the people in mind. And so it's important for, you know, people to, to have that. And I think we do have that within our community. I mean, we have the uh, National Medical Association, uh, Association of Black Cardiologists. We have uh, Society of Black Academic Surgeons, uh, the uh, AMA. And so I think that it's important to be able to, yes, have those voices, but yet have other voices that can be able to, to relate and talk to the people in a way in which the people can understand it and in, in which it's um, uh, uh, not necessarily uh, uh, intrusive, but uh, uh, a way in which it's uh, comfortable and relaxed because um, some of the greatest conversations I have with my patients are, you know, it's a dialogue. It's not so much me kind of uh, preaching to them or telling them what the recommendations are, but me kind of hearing what's going on in their life such that this is why they, you know, it, it is what it is. And so to be, you know, the best healthcare happens when there's a dialogue of uh, a situation, because if the patient doesn't give me all the symptoms, you know, or uh, to their problem, I may be thinking one thing, but in reality, it's, it's something else. And so uh, to get some of those true symptoms, to get uh, true healthcare, it does require a dialogue between individuals that feel comfortable. And, uh, you know, for us, we know that we, we feel comfortable when, you know, someone has a sharp object to our scalp uh, <laughs> or, 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 or they're sitting up here or they're sitting up here, uh, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, with a hot comb in their hand. So it's, you know, we feel comfortable with those individuals because um, we spend a lot of, you know, intimate and quality time. And, and my wife pointed out that, you know, the, the training that hair care, you know, professionals have to do. Um, is, uh, is, is, is pretty, you know, pretty extensive uh, to a certain aspect from the standpoint of being able to identify, you know, certain features in, in, in people's hair after you're doing it for a prolonged period of time. Sometimes they're going to be the first individuals to pick up, you know, someone has lupus, uh, the first, you know, a, a thyroid problem, you know, with the thinning of the hair, alopecia, uh, psoriasis, you know, so, you know, with the, the skin being the largest, you know, organ system in our body, you know, working with someone's scalp, um, and seeing uh, that on a day-to-day -day basis, every two weeks, once a month, I mean, you know, black people <laughs> will go to the hair care uh, uh, specialist, you know, like clockwork. And so um, they, they become intimately uh, known to what your scalp looks like. And so um, for that, especially also using chemicals and things of that nature on people's scalps, they have to understand a certain level of, 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 of uh, health of healthcare, um, uh, uh, you know, in particular to the field. And so with their board certifications, things of that nature, every state board is different. Um, these individuals are, you know, I, I would definitely trust them to sit up here and, and, and do a blood pressure cuff, you know, or, or you know, uh, get a blood sample for an A1C, potentially a COVID-19 test or what have you, and kind of be our, our, our partners uh, in healthcare. Because at the end of the day, that's what we as a community need. We just need more partners. Um, uh, we need more people uh, uh, looking out for the best interest uh, of ourselves. And health is wealth. I mean, if you can't work um, because you don't have health, you can't, you know, you can't get the things that, that we need to get to. And, and, and we, it's actually a very good segue, right? When we talk about, you know, being able to kind of trust, you know, the people who are delivering the information and be able to accept it, right? Like obviously a big proponent of yours is really helping to get more black, especially black men, right? In, in medicine, right? And so why has that been a, a goal of yours, right? Like why, why are you so passionate about that, right? Like this, obviously it should be obvious, but like, well, you know, for our new listeners. <laughs> But, you know, for, for me, it's like, you know, uh, it's like seeing yourself, you know, 
uh, you know, being able to go back to talk to the, you know, the five-year-old, the six-year-old Stephen Noble, um, you know, and I think that, you know, I've been blessed, um, you know, early on to realize, you know, I wanted to do medicine and people around it, around me supported that. Um, you know, my grandparents, you know, I fell in love in, you know, the floor of my uh, grandparents' uh, living room looking at the encyclopedia, just kind of seeing, you know, one organ system over another. And so at a young age, I said, you know what, I wanted to, you know, to, to be a doctor. And my family and my close network, you know, held me to that, uh, to the point of, you know, I'd have friends that would say, no, you can't do this. This ain't right for you because you're going to sit up here or go on this other path. So mm. times in which I want to, you know, go left, yes. you know, everyone was oh, like, no. That's, you know, oh, that's, that story you. sounds you gotta, so familiar. You, that story sounds so familiar. Path, you know, and so <laughs> high, school, high school was rough because, you know, you want to sit up there and be like everybody else and have that time. But, you know, folks kind of like, no, you got to do this. And so I was fortunate to be surrounded by those individuals and then, in in uh, college and med school, kind of the same thing, a uh, close network, my fraternity, and you know other people, and so it was it was just great. And so um, medicine, you know, I had mentors, you know, I had individuals that could sit up here and I could see what the vision was. So at a young age, I had mentors. Um, you know, my mother, you know, uh, uh, you know, allowed me to, uh, you know, I was able to shadow her dermatologist, and so it was great. You know, my parents were very, you know, instrumental in trying to, you know, kind of connect me with those individuals, and so I saw the power of that and saw how. I didn't get to, you know, where I, you know, to getting into college, med school and, and, and residency by myself. So I needed help. Um, and so um, it was really that notion of being able to, to reach and give back. And so, um, you know, Gifted Hands to me was, uh, was a, a similar book that, you know, when I read it, I could see it. Hey, Ben Carson could do it. I could do it. You know, you know, and I felt like, man, I had a better, you know, you know, elementary, you know, uh, experience than he did, you know, and, and he became neurosurgeon. I was like, no reason I can't, you know, sit up here. So it really gave me that confidence. And so, uh, you know, flat, uh, fast forward to working with a uh, comprehensive uh, uh, medical mentoring program, CMMT, um, you know, serving as, you know, uh, on the board of directors of, you know, organizations that really had a mindset of, getting more uh, uh black folks into 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 medical school uh, making more more doctors and then uh working with uh and meeting uh dr dale okuderudu and black men in white coats you know i saw the 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 video and you know i'm one of those guys if i if i see what you're doing and i like it i'm just gonna reach out and be like hey you know how can i be down because that they we have to support those individuals that are are doing you know you know great things for the community and and yes you know you know, yes, we can all sit up here and do our own separate thing. But when you see someone that's like, hey, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, they got a wheel. I, I can just help, you know, yes. push that wheel 100%, further. And so, 100%. Uh, you know, I, I just really uh, uh, had a conversation with him, just fell in love with the idea of what he was doing, trying to uh, produce a documentary. And, and I mean, he sold it as, you know, I'm trying, we're, I'm trying to produce the the gifted hands of all of the next generation and you know when you said that i was like man i'm sold you know so let me support uh the documentary because i think with media you know the platform is so big and when we see the outpouring for you know uh individuals like kobe bryant and chadwick boseman when they pass it's you know having that media having that stage having that platform even within uh the political sphere having that platform to get your message out is important and with uh, the documentary to help on that was, uh, you know, just a, a blessing to be a part of um, in any, you know, uh, individual that's really out there uh, trying to promote uh, black health and, and improving black health. I mean, it's ridiculous that I, I, I mean, again, you said, you, you know, uh, us black physicians, we're not surprised by, you know, COVID-19. <laughs> I mean, we're the industrialized country with one of the worst infant mortality rates. We, you know, mm. it was not a surprise that this was going to wreak havoc on, you know, on our, in our country. And a lot of it is, you know, we don't take care of the most vulnerable. And, and, and our healthcare demonstrates that the most vulnerable in our society are black women and, and you know, by and large, and, and black men, just really the black community. So I, I applaud any, you know, brother, sister, institutional organization that is really going to sit up here and take up the mantle. So. Uh, to that, um, you know, kudos to you and, and other individuals, you know, really uh, having that platform to get the message out there. And so we're trying to, we learned that, you know, with the AMA put out that study, we got to get more black males to sit up here and do, you know, what you're doing. Because it's more than just, you know, writing the prescription, seeing the patient, it's doing what you're doing. It's, it's, it's having that platform to raise awareness in whatever way that you can, that these are issues that, that we should address. 
I love it. And, and it's, I think it's so poignant because, I mean, in the studies, and even if in, in conjecture, we were thinking like, yeah, you know what, I think people would probably do better, especially if you're Black, if you had a Black physician, right? But of course, you know, and you know how medicine does, right? Medicine always has to do a study to prove something that we could have told them like months ago, right? So of course, they do these studies and they confirm, which is the obvious, like, you know, patient, Black patients who see Black physicians, right, do better, right? Like, Again, it sounds simple, right? But again, they do the study to confirm what we already kind of knew from a common sense standpoint. So I love being able to, you know, see, you know, you know, you know, people like you, people like Dr. Dale, just kind of like again use the the platform that being a physician is, right? And because again, you've you've already from a societal standpoint, I've already hit the pinnacle, right? Like if you did absolutely nothing but saw your patients every day, people would say, nah. Dr. Noble is crazy successful, right? But the fact that you're having to go above and beyond, right? And saying like, no, no, no. Like, despite the fact that I'm here, right? Like, I'm still going to reach out, right? Like, I'm still going to be in these organizations. I still want to be in these shops. I still want to be a part of the groundwork, right? To try to bring more Dr. Nobles into the world of medicine and healthcare and really just life in general. Um, it, it's, such a, it's such a commendable effort, right? And I think sometimes we don't get, you know, the, the kudos that we should, right? So that's why I always try to make it a point to like, like let folks know like, no, 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 you're actually doing like a, an amazing work, even if while you're in the middle of the work, you don't realize you're doing it. No, that's, uh, that's beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's, you know, it's humbling. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, as a, you know, my, my wife, I can't do this without my wife. I mean, she's uh, amazing. We have five kids. And so um, it's just, you, you realize that at the end of the day, um, our greatest, uh, society's greatest asset are, is, are its children. You know, our children are, you know, you know, are, are what's going to sit up here and, uh, you know, and be here after we're gone. And, you know, um, uh, shameful plug for, you know, again, one of the greatest movies ever, we, Black Panther. We, we hear, we hear. It was that scene in the movie when he goes to the afterlife and he's talking to his father, you know, Baba. And it's like, you know, and his father just tells him, if I didn't prepare you for my inevitable, you know, death, you know, passing, I, I would have failed you as a father. And so I think that as, you know, as we're slowly, you know, kind of maturing into you know, that generation, um, we're seeing a lot of, you know, our, you know, our leaders become our ancestors. Um, as we're slowly maturing into that, it's only right for us to sit up here and think about the inevitable um, as far as, you know, we're going to sit up here and leave here, but what are we going to leave for the next generation? Who's going to carry the baton? And so um, I feel fortunate and blessed to have sat at the feet of my grandparents to kind of see what they kind of went through. Uh, to be able to uh, pay attention to history and, you know, things that hey, the 1918 pandemic, you know, knowing our story, knowing our past is important for us to navigate the future waters. And so, uh, you know, for me, the, you know, this time is eerily similar to the 1920s and 1918. I mean, soon after that pandemic, we had a, an oppression, you know, and, you know, you also had a uh, prohibition of alcohol, you you know, I suspect we'll start to see prohibition of, you know, marijuana, things of that nature. So it's eerily similar to that time. And it, you got to ask yourself, how did those individuals, you know, negotiate and navigate it? And at the same time, how did they get through it? And what do we sit up here and teach our children or leave our children, the next generation, how do we prepare them and our generation and our children are our greatest asset. And so to be able to help prepare, guide and mold the next you know, generation of, of uh, black physicians um, is a blessing. And it, it's a, you know, it's a great responsibility to, to sit up here and try to help mold that. Uh, and it's exciting because what we're doing in medicine now, I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, we're at the precipice of like, you know, you know, Star Trek type stuff. And so right. it's only, it's only, it's only, you know, I mean, when you, when you start to see what we can do with robotics, you know, with prosthetics, um, Elon Musk is sitting up here talking about, you know, some sort of neural chip implant. I mean, it is just, it is just sci-fi is freaky. And so it's, it's, you know, and seeing how our young kids are with technology and computers. And I mean, they're practically born with an iPad in their hand. It's just, you know, it's just amazing to see how we're going to be able to mold and work with this next generation of, 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 of young black, you know, boys and girls to become physicians. Uh, you know, and so to that, I'm very passionate about that because growing up, I was a big sort of video gamer, you know, even to this day, I play a lot of video games. And so, um, you know, to have that with my, my kids, but to see that, you know what, robotic surgery is similar to that. So being able to combine esports 
to, you know, and the love of esports and gaming and things of that nature and trying to inspire the next generation of physicians and potentially robotic surgeons uh, to, to say, hey, look, you know what, I too can do it. Um, you know, so I don't mind playing Fortnite with kids. I, I, I'll be quick to watch a six-year-old play, play Fortnite uh, because I think it's just, it's just amazing uh, uh, to kind of see that. And with the advent of uh, more esports scholarships, I mean, uh, Robert Morris was one of the first universities to give all the scholarships for esports. Uh, so I think this is an avenue in which, you know, we got to think outside the box of how do we get more kids into medicine. I think esports is that avenue, that plucking ground in which we can really get great talent. Uh, mm. I'm looking to, you know, to have like, to be like the AAU of, of esports, uh, you know, and trying to find that, you know, that young talent. Uh, not all of them are going to grow up to be, you know, multi-million dollar uh, esports video gamers, but one of them might be a robotic surgeon. One of them might be, you know, uh, working for the police or fire department, flying a drone overhead, and who knows, uh, you know, they may go to the military or do something with robotics. So I think it's a great avenue for our kids. You know, our kids are great and smart. You know, you put, you know, kids, you know, they love technology. They love these gadgets. And so it's about supporting what they love to do. Um, I've been fortunate and blessed to, to be surrounded by people that saw, you know, my love for, for medicine and kind of support that. Uh, you know, in this day and age, if kids have a love for video games, they can be supported. Yeah, they can be scholarships. Um, uh, they're, they're starting an HBCU esports uh, league, right. so nice. the Twitch. So nice. it's uh, it, it's an exciting time. Now, are you now? Because I'm, I'm a video game person myself. Now, are you more of the sports competitive Call of Duty type, or like I can tell you, I'm more of the Last of Us, Spider. I'm more of that. Like okay. I want to play an action game that yeah. like you might not see me for like three days <laughs> because like I just like I don't leave the spot because I'm just yeah. playing that one singular game. Are you more of the competitive action type, or do you like playing the solo type game? What are you? And then it, are you PS it, PS4 it, or Xbox? That's another. That's a better question. Uh, great question. So I'm <laughs> PS4. Yeah, I'm PS4. I'm a very sort of moody sort of video gamer. So I love playing uh, some of my uh, favorite games right now are Apex Legends, which is kind of a, a battle royale. Okay. Shooter yes. Yes. Game, Call of Duty. Um, uh, Fortnite is too complicated for me to play, so I really don't play Fortnite. But I love watching Fortnite. I do play Madden and uh, 2K, uh, and so I do love some of the sport games. Um, but I do have those have those um, uh, those moments and those moods in which I like playing like uh, Grand Theft Auto or um, you know Last of Us or some of those other sort of you know kind of immersive uh, sort of games. Yeah, like I just, like I'll just get like my, my wife hates me because I'll get lost in there. Like once she knows I'm playing, she's like, ah, "You playing video game?" Like, cause, <laughs> I'm like there's no point to talk to me. I ain't doing no extra work. Um, <laughs> Like I, if I start that late night, I might wake up. I might look and be like three, four in the morning, and I'm still playing because it's just I'm I'm just in it. Like, and I feel like especially with the sports games, like I feel like if you don't play those consistently enough, folks be embarrassing you online, right? Yes, so I don't yes. like I don't I don't like the embarrassment online. So that's why I'd be like, like I see you, man. I I know you're a good game, but like I don't I don't have time to go through the learning and growing pains of ha- learning how to play correctly. So I'm like more competitive when I'm out here playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've, I have no shame to admit that I have embarrassed my kids, uh, you know, my son and my nephew, uh, playing with them on video games because I can hear the kids, you know, the other kids talking about how bad is that person. And it's because, I don't know, you, I just don't have a fast switch, you know, uh, fingers. And, you know, the aiming and pointing, it's-, it's uh, Yes, it's, it's, yeah, it's just a whole different, uh, okay, all right. <laughs> Before, before I let you go, right? Before I let you go, what obviously, you right? Know, we're going into the last quarter of 2020, right? Like, you know, so what are your plans, like, you know, moving forward, right? And I mean, we might even have to start talking about 2021 if, you know, if COVID 19 still, like, what's, what's in the future for Dr. Noble? So, in the future, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, uh, you know, family, uh, you know, and so I think with that, uh, we're looking at homeschooling um, our, our kids. And so, uh, you know, our, as I mentioned before, our uh, son is a junior now. Um, he's been homeschooling for the past year. So he was homeschooling before COVID-19. So for him, it's just, um, you know, it's just another day at the office kind of. Um, and for him, it's, it's, it's really, you know, he misses the social aspect. But um, academically, he's done better. And that's really, excuse me, a function of him and my wife uh, working hand in hand. Um, it really takes the focus, it really puts the focus back on education and not so much um, the social interaction, whether it's with him and his friends, him and the teacher, it, it really hones down to, down to him getting the work done. And to that point, he's gotten the best GPA that he's had, 
you know, in, uh, in, uh, in high school, you have 3.4 GPA. And so, you know, with, and I'm starting to start to see college recruiters with these esports teams trying to, you know, recruit my son for their universities and stuff like that. So, you know, esports for him has been good. It's going to be an, uh, uh, or, or, uh, the home school, the, uh, the e-curriculum has been good for him. For our daughter, she's going to do the same thing. It'll be interesting. She's, um, more your sort of, uh, prototypical, you know, uh, 13 year old, you know, uh, girls. And so she's, she misses a friend. She wants to be in that sort of social space. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I just don't see, um, and don't trust any, uh, school board to really be able to put together a product quick enough, um, and, and be flexible enough with the schizophrenic nature that we see coming from above, um, from the national response, the state response, and so on and so forth. So as a parent, I feel, you know, and especially keeping our, you know, our ear to the ground as far as this whole COVID response and lack thereof, the best thing that we can do is try to control our own intimate environment. And we can do that by knowing, first and foremost, where our kids go, you know, and go to school. And for me, um, I am blessed, you know, I, I'm privileged and fortunate, you know, my wife, you know, uh, you know, can work from home, go there from home. So, you know, I, I'm blessed and fortunate from that standpoint. But for the rest of the year, that's what we're looking at. So homeschooling for a year and then, um, you know, just really trying to, um, uh, you know, work uh, as a uh, thoracic surgeon, um, uh, again, just uh, uh, prevent lung cancer and, and, and heart disease. Um, I'm fortunate the book that, you know, I had talked about earlier on, uh, looking to publish that and have that, you know, we're finishing up the touches uh, on that. And that's, uh, it's a children's book. Uh, a, so it's a children's book. And so it's really a book about um, uh, paying homage to a hero of mine, uh, Dr. Daniel Hale Williams, um, you know, the first uh, successful open heart surgery, um, you know, in the world was done by a black man, Dr. Daniel Hale Williams. And is, you know, one of the reasons as to why I think it's important for us to be able to tell our story. Um, and, you know, um, the whole thing about history is, you know, someone telling his story, but I think you know, America has, you know, has our story. I mean, we all have our different aspects of the story that make up uh, who we are as a country. And this is, a, you know, an important piece of, uh, of that, especially within medicine, um, how we got this uh, relatively young field in, in heart surgery uh, with Daniel Hale Williams, what it was like to be um, a black man uh, uh, growing up, as well as uh, some of the first uh, that he did, uh, the first to join the uh, American College of Surgeons because they didn't want to let him in because he was black. But again, he was uh, heralded as having the first open successful heart surgery. And from that kind of led um, uh, and supported. And his, 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 lore, his story in life was about giving back, mentorship. You know, one of the things that he was proud about in his uh, last years of life is going back to, to, to mentor and tutor uh, the students at Meharry. Um, and so when we talk about um, black men and white coats in the, in the, in the, you know, lack of black physicians. And you look at the Flexner report and how some of these universities were closed, um, due to, um, due to this report, how these HBCU, uh, med schools were closed. Uh, it's important to remember those individuals that did their part to kind of, uh, keep the legacy and keep the tradition going to, to support the Meharis, um, uh, and to kind of, uh, continue that legacy. So, uh, Dr. Danielle Williams, uh, is an important man that I, you know, any opportunity I get uh, to mention, uh, you know, I, I feel honored to do because because of him, you know, I, I'm here doing what I do because um, uh, uh, he is the first of us of uh, open uh, of heart surgeon, um, and it's American, you know, an American story. Um, so uh, that that'll be uh, uh, that'll be coming out, and um, aside from that, just uh, trying to trying to make 2020 as 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 best as it can be, and uh, you know, just live every day uh, to its fullest because we never really know, um, you know, when he's going to call us. Uh, we just know that he's going to call us. And so we, we got to uh, do what we can to leave our mark uh, each and every day. And I think for me, that's, uh, that's been the theme of, of kind of 2020 uh, quickly, uh, you know, when you just saw uh, Kobe go and then, you know, just seeing his passion that he had off the court with his family, with his daughters, um, it really, you know, kind of put us on notice that, you know, no day is promised. Uh, and so yeah, it was always reminded COVID-19, kind of the same thing. We saw young people die with that. Uh, and then with Chadwick, you never really know what people are going through. And so uh, we got to live every, each and every day to its fullest. And so although we may think we have a plan, you know, uh, God has the ultimate plan. And so it's just a, a, a blessing to kind of, you know, be on this earth and, and kind of give what we can while we can.
Most definitely. And I, I think that I think I really sense it because, again, we, we have, you know, we have this plan. And a lot of times we're always thinking about, you know, what are we going to do in the next three months? We're going to do for the next year. Right. And if something happens like, oh, like and then the question becomes like, what did what is your story? Right. Once once is that time? Right. Like, did you do everything you can? Right. Did you put all of your effort on a day to day basis, hour to hour basis uh, to make sure that your story, and your legacy like really lives on? And I think we're seeing, especially, you know, this, you know, depending on when you listen to this legislative community, um, I actually just passed away uh, about two days ago. Um, so, you know, just you, you see in these stories and you're seeing these and you're and you could just you could just feel the, the, the void. Right. That has been left. Right. And, and the question that I have, you know, for the listeners, right, especially those who, you know, the goal is really to try to empower yourself and become better for yourself to be better for others. Right. Like, um, are you doing the work today? Right. To make sure that you do leave a void and, you know, an impact right in people's lives if you were to go today. Right. Like that's really the question at hand um, and, and that question you should be asking yourself. Right. Like, are you doing the work that would require such a void being left if you were to leave today? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's impactful, and you know, I think that uh, it's it, it does it it allows us to kind of take time to kind of reflect, uh, you know, as to you know what our purpose is and what our why is, um, and you know, it's uh, it's definitely one of those things, and and being blessed to have that network, uh, that group of people around me to kind of uh, to kind of reflect that, and so on uh, each and every day, it is a it's a uh, a blessing to, you know, to wake up and, and try to figure out, you know, the, the purpose of the day. And sometimes we do get into the mode of just trying to get through each hour because, you know, depending on, you know, working the struggle, it's just like, you know, get through the hour and you, you see folks in the elevator and everyone has that collective look like today is one of those days. And so it's, you know, it's tough. And especially for some of us, um, especially at this time, in which you see these images, um, and, it, and it becomes very difficult, um, you know, as black people, you know, and as physicians to kind of put on, you know, one of the things I talked about as far as putting on a mask. I mean, we've been wearing a mask a lot during COVID-19, but to, mm-hmm. you know, to sit up here and, and, and on one hand see, you know, uh, a young black male get killed for, you know, you know, things Going that, to his you know, car. Just, say, right. just, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, just, just, just normal just, stuff, just normal stuff. Life just living mm-hmm. life and so it's putting on that mask that regardless of if i put on my suit if i put on my white coat if i put on my badge as soon as i walk out of here there is i could sit up here and be killed living life but yet having to compartmentalize and go into the hospital and do those things you know treat patients you know the way that you want to be treated you know but all the while knowing that you know it could be you know your wife your you know your son your your, your daughter you know being treated in a way in which is, is less than human can be very taxing. And so, you know, I think that um, it does allow us to sit up here and say, you know, are we in situations or are we, you know, in a position or are, is this day that we're, that we're living really, um, really purposeful, as purposeful as it could be, especially because at any moment, you know, any moment it, it, it could be gone. And so, um, you know, it's, it, it, you know, that's the challenge that we have. And, um, you know, I try to do the best that I can each and every day. Uh, as uh, Pastor Todd would say, uh, I'm not perfect, but I'm progressing. And so, yes, uh, I love know, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not perfect, but I'm progressing. <laughs> I love it. And Dr. Noble, thank you for, you know, really, you know, you know, really enlightening us, you know, you know, really invigorating us, especially with the, the call of action, um, you know, and, and, you know, showing us, right, that again, you, you, you don't, we don't have the excuse, right, uh, to be too busy, right? Because obviously you're, you're a person of yourself, who's got plenty of work to do, right? Like I said, I know you just recently moved, starting, you know, you're starting a new new place, new new location, and you're you're again you're right in the middle, but you're like, no, like, like the the heart is heavy, right? The mind is heavy, right? I still have other stuff I have to do, you know, outside of, you know, again, just taking care of this person. So definitely appreciative of joining uh the lunch room community and you know really kind of lending your voice out. And obviously let us know, you know, when when the book comes out, we will definitely be promoting it on here just to, you know, make sure people are aware of that story. I oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me and thank you for this platform. And uh, thanks for all the work that you do. Kudos uh, to you and the rest of your team. Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my undying thanks to you for your support. Just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode. Hope you were empowered by today's episode. Please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not 
listen to today's episode. And if you have not already done so, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review. Leave a review there because your support is so, 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 so valuable for what we're doing here on the Lynch Learn and everything with Pierre Michael Consulting. And if you have not done so, go ahead and join the listserv. To join the listserv, it's very easy. Just grab your phone right now. I'll pause. Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all going to be one word Lunch Learn Pod to 44222. And you'll be on the listserv. You'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out. You'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because I usually tell my listserv members, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on. Thank you, guys. You have a blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week.